now welcome to the master class with fearless educators in collaborations with hilas educate my prayers for your good health and safety myself rekha shah passionate educator working as a principal at podar world school shama vadodara international trainer for life skills happiness coach for corporate sector counselor for children with special needs my innovative work is been rewarded with awards and rewards for inclusive education from unicef women entrepreneurs award outstanding principal award and the best trainer award by qualification i have done my ba damit professional diploma in education management and post graduations in child development special education and counseling with my 30 years of experience i strongly believe that each child can be learned each child can learn only thing is they need somebody to inspire them and somebody who stand by and give them the faith that yes you can learn so audience our today's webinar topic is enabling average to teacher deliver high quality enabling average to teacher deliver high quality curriculum transaction i am delighted to introduce our today's speaker mr pankaj jain who is a founder chief educator executive of education support organization gyan shala ngo education program educated more than 2 lakh slum children in nine cities and four states mr pankaj jain has done his bachelor's of engineers from iit roorkee and phd from iim ahmedabad he has worked as a professor visiting faculty senior executive at ndb anand aga khan rural support program system engineer space application center ahmedabad his research work was spread over various countries including philippines australia hong kong indonesia singapore thailand china switzerland uk and usa so audience please give a big round of applause and let's welcome our today's speaker mr pankaj yes so over to mr pankaj thanks again for this opportunity and uh, thanks also for the time that all of you are giving uh, in this on a sunday evening uh, uh, i should uh, tell you something about the background uh, with which uh, i would speak of uh, as uh, briefly mentioned by the producer uh, we i am associated with a program which is mostly known by the name gyan shala and at this program we normally uh, educate children uh, in the poor area normally called slums in the urban areas those children who are not going to other schools and from the beginning our mission was to make sure that these children if are able to get an education comparable to what normally is believed to be delivered in so called the elite schools uh, of india we were also uh, in, uh, so careful uh, in recognizing that these children face many disadvantages in learning uh, partly because of their health because of poor health because of which uh, they are not able to come to the school regularly of course they don't have the parental support uh, which normally enables uh, middle class or upper middle class children to excel as probably most of us have done in our lives Uh, who have been helped to learn not only by our schools but also by our parents and families so we were conscious of this uh, uh, this fact that these children have to face some kind of disadvantages and therefore we have to find solutions uh, we also uh, and uh, since we were dealing with this class of children obviously they could 
we couldn't charge them any fees, so the program was free. And therefore, we were constrained by the amount of money we could raise to support our program. Over years, the number of children who have worked, uh, who have we, whom we have been able to educate has varied over the years, but over years, we have probably educated more than two and a half lakh children. We started work in Gujarat, in the city of Ahmedabad, later on expanded to Surat, but uh, seven other cities in two different states, uh, in uh, three in Bihar, three in UP, one in Kolkata, mostly, and a little bit work with the government schools in, in Delhi. So uh, RF program is was focused on trying to strengthen the foundation, uh, mostly grade one to three, but maybe up to grade one to five. Though some of our children, we take them up to completion of the elementary, which is up to grade eight. Uh, but then test what is the limit of our program. So whatever observations I am going to share with you, they are limited essentially to the, I would say lower primary program, which is essentially grade one to five. Uh, we find that this approach also gets uh, applica applicable to even up to grade seven in some cases, but not always. So I would assume that, uh, I would sort of urge you to recognize that my observations are applicable more for grade one to five. Uh, so uh, what, uh, before I started the program, I would just also like to mention one more thing that uh, we have, from the very beginning, we have uh, imposed a discipline on ourselves that we get some of India's and world's best uh, educational testing organization to come and test our children's performance and let us know how they are performing, both in relation to, let's say, their counterparts who are able to go to government schools, or also at times, how do they compare to the children who are going to the elite schools? Of course, these children have many, many advantages. And I'm very happy to share with you that uh, our children have really done us proud. Uh, in that, uh, consistently, in spite of having the disadvantages in learning that we all of, we all know they have. They have been almost matching the performance in India's elite schools, where probably the expenditure is maybe 10 to 20 times higher than what we are able to spend on them. And uh, they also, children have to overcome this uh, disadvantage which their family imposes on them. So our children have done proud and therefore uh, the experience that I'm going to share with you does have certain amount of testing uh, done and sustenance over more than a decade. We started around 20 years back and this consistent performance is there at least for more than 10 years. So now coming to uh, the issue of recognizing what does excellent education at that stage would mean? It certainly, uh, we don't have a standard uh, national level examination before grade 10 to really be sure. As I mentioned, we do call some of the good testing organization and they conduct tests. Uh, but since those are not universal, uh, there is always a question mark whether uh, any, so what kind of credence or reliability can be uh, placed on such tests. So we will use our common sense knowledge of what would excellence at that uh, stage would mean. And then how do we enable an average teachers to reach uh, that kind of excellence with their children, and uh, which our children at least have been able to demonstrate consistently over the last decade. And I would like to start with a relatively simple example, both in the domain of, let's say, arithmetic or mathematics, and one example from the language, to really build the theme and understanding of what does excellence means and what can be done to foster this excellence by using the kind of teachers, average teachers who are available in mostly a large number of schools, particularly affordable private schools. So let's take example of uh, say uh, arithmetic or the just numbers which are introduced to the children in grade one. So all of us know that uh, we, most schools start and they hope that children by the end of grade one would be able to, let's say, know or remember the one to hundred numbers in a proper sequence. 
if uh, child is good, maybe even by the reverse sequence, right? So that's that's the starting point of learning mathematics. Now, I would like you to sort of uh, listen to experience that I have, and I would like to uh, use that experience to start understanding what does excellence would mean and what does building excellence would mean. Let's say in just recognizing these numbers one to hundred. I have a grandson who is six year old, and I also have another grandson who is three year old. The the elder one is about to go to the grade one from this year. His schools have not started, so he get to start going to the school. But uh, well, he he is able to actually knows uh, at least up to one to fifty numbers in by and large correct sequence. And my younger uh, grandson, who is just three year old, uh, somewhere. He has found out uh, on his own that he can actually recite number one to twenty. So, if you, as as far as just knowing the numbers in certain sequences, uh, concern, this three-year-old child also knows something which is almost equal to what a six-year-old child knows. Now, can we uh, conclude from this data that the understanding of the numbers of two children? Is the identical? Obviously, answer is uh, no, because one concrete uh, measurement would be that my elder grandson actually can count the things, count the objects which are maybe up to there are twenty objects, and he by and large would be able to count these in correct uh, quantities. In case they are sort of jumbled, let's say uh, small uh, pieces, things are there, uh, small stones. Maybe he might. If in a bunch of stones he might have some difficulty in counting correctly, but by and large he'll be able to count. Obviously, my three-year-old grandson cannot. So there is a one test that uh, younger child does not know some property of the numbers. So to be able to have one property of the numbers, they come in certain sequence: one, two, three, four, so on and so forth. Is one property of the number. But another property of the number, or what are the other properties of the number, which the elder uh, child knows, but the younger one doesn't know. And important thing be, what do we need to do to take a child from, let's say, stage represented by my three-year-old grandson, the stage to which my six-year-old grandson has reached, and then from now then onwards, right? So we need to recognize. That what are the elements of knowledge which uh, a child need to acquire, and then how do we build uh, slowly his or her knowledge to that level? So this is the crux of the matter. Now, even when so one of the typical example when we start making child to learn to count or to understand that these numbers actually represent quantities in real life. So maybe typically we will show that uh, this we will hold one pencil in our hand. And say this is one. We'll add one more pencil and say, okay, now there are two, and so on and so forth. And somewhere we would then uh, make children recognize that these numbers represent quantities. More quantities means higher numbers. So this is the new property, which obviously my three-year-old grandson doesn't know. My six-year-old grandson knows this thing. So this is an important property. What I would like to ask you. Uh, To go one step further, suppose we pick up one pencil of certain length, and we pick up another pencil, maybe smaller length. Now, in most cases, we would how many pencil are these? Then my elder son would say there are two. There are two pencils. Or suppose there are two bananas are kept there. There's a, maybe one large and one small. And if I ask him how many bananas, he would say two bananas. I don't think he would make ever a mistake in this, and maybe he will do this thing. Maybe up to ten, for sure. Maybe even up to twenty, he'll not make mistake in this thing. Now, at some stage, we also, when we are telling them the numbers represent quantities, we also will tell them relationship among the quantities. For example, who is not only uh, more than one, who actually is double of one, right? Now, tell us that in case. I have held in my hand two pencils which are of different size. In the uh, first time, I had held a pencil which they say was six inches long, and second pencil was only four inches old. 
Now, when we are holding both a pencil, we say there are two pencils. But is this two actually double of what one pencil which was six here, six inches long? Obviously, answer is no. Same with the banana. We say there is one banana. We had another banana which is smaller in size. We call it two, two bananas. Everybody would say that thing. But is the are two bananas double of one banana? Answer is no. So we uh, tell children typically in our class these are one banana, two bananas, five banana. But in reality, we, in some sense, we are not covering the property of the numbers that two is double of one. We are missing that aspect of learning. So the question comes: At what stage do we start introducing these property of numbers? And to me, it is these aspects which really would ultimately determine so-called excellence of learning the numbers or mathematics and so on and so forth. So when we recognize that whatever the number system that we have, when we start relating this in the real life object, whether it's banana or pencil or maybe the length of the windowsill, etc., etc., and start relating the property of these numbers with the properties of the things in real life, and make sure that whatever relationship we are trying child to understand does correspond to his or her own experience. Because all of us will know that a child will know, very well know that uh, two bananas of different size, they are, they are not double of one banana which is bigger. This is unacceptable. So it is very important that when we work out the curriculum, even for lower grades, somebody pays attention to these details and work out a lesson plan. So let, now let me take example of, let's say, language learning. Now, typically, uh, we, uh, we start by ask, uh, telling child A for apple, B for banana, ball, etc., etc. Typically, we move from learning uh, knowledge of the letters then to words, and then to the meaning. Uh, I presume all of us would agree that uh, the purpose uh, of learning of the language eventually is to understand the meaning or communicate one's own meaning. And now we need to understand uh, the relationship between this letter, sound, or shape to the meaning. Because ultimately, if you want child to learn language, we are hoping that child will deal with whatever knowledge he or she acquires, ultimately would help him or her to communicate, understand the meaning and communicate the meaning that she wants to communicate. Right? So uh, the traditional approach has always been that you start with, uh, with the letter, move to the words and to the then sentence or maybe whole paragraph or the story or the meaning. Because the really, uh, there is a meaning, certainly, rarely there is a meaning in this letter sound. Sometimes there is a meaning in the one word itself. Let us go, and there is a meaning. But mostly it is a clause or sentence, and in many cases it is the paragraph or the whole story, which really gives the meaning. So what is the, what is, how, how does one build this uh, issue of uh, some part of the knowledge, let's say from letter, to the knowledge of meaning? We also should ask the question, actually, when the child comes to the school first time, let's say, at the age of five to six, when in mostly he or she has not, uh, let's say, knowledge of the written uh, form of language, which means she or he has not been told, A for A, A, A is this, uh, that's how we write A, or that's how the apple is written. So we are assuming the child has only the oral knowledge, which most children have. So the question we should ask that, this child, uh, a six-year-old child, when he or she comes to the class, she can actually make sentences. She understands the meaning. She often is able to also communicate the meaning that she wants to make. So she actually knows the knowledge. So what she doesn't know, maybe she doesn't know the written form of language. She knows the oral form of language very well. So the question I would like us to ask, how did she acquire the knowledge of this oral language? Did the mother or father start telling her that 
start making sound just pa ba ka or a b c and then they went apple or words and then what the meaning or what was the sequence in which a the adults interacted with the child whereby she learned to actually language and you will find that uh, no no mother teaches a or b or c she just talks to her talks to the child and child learns so the real experience of life of learning language starts differently it starts with the meaning child doesn't know what is word what is letter what is sound she just knows a sequence of sound which we call them words or sentences but she know the meaning so we need to ask the question how does human mind in what sequence human mind best learns the language even when we are trying to teach a written form of the language is it is the best way to teach that first we give a written form in the form of letter and then the written form of the word then written form of the sentence and, and the whole text or the other way around so this is an important question because it would have bearing about eventually how effectively child is able to learn the language and to me this understanding whether it is differentiating between uh two in a situation when two is not double of one or really thinking that what is the best sequence of linking letter sounds or letter shape with a written text which has a meaning what is the right sequence these are the critical questions which excellent teachers are able to sort out in their mind and then take the child along that appropriate path our experience has been that in large number of cases most people who have been educated through our education system are not even aware of uh, issue issues involved leave alone having an answer of right answer for this kind of aspect so i am not sure how many of us uh, were really even aware that uh, when we are showing to the child two unequal pencil pencils and we are asking them that these are two pencils actually somewhere we are telling less than correct meaning of the numbers they are two but they are these two are not where one two is equal to double of one same is the case with the language so this uh, that knowledge is critical uh, and our experience has been that uh, large many people actually even so called excellent schools are also not very very clear about these issues and then how do we translate our understanding of this issue into a right kind of a curriculum and a work plan and uh, i believe that if we want to set up a system of ensuring excellence of education particularly in these stages it is important that teachers is unable to handle these complexities smoothly within our own capability so what path we have found out one standard path is of course we try to train the teacher uh is it possible for uh, to train all the teacher to recognize the all properties of number system uh when number system is somewhat abstract order where one really means each one must be the another one must be actually identical then only number system works so is this something which is easy to communicate to all the teachers answer would be is possible but not easy so the way we have tried to address uh, this requirement in gyan shala is that we do not expect teachers to be able to uh, at understand all these issues as clearly as a designer of curriculum who has to lay out a path for which child has to follow from day 1 to let's say day 180 if suppose there are 100 learning days in a year it is very difficult for an average teacher to lay out a path of learning having 180 steps or maybe 200 excuse steps excuse me excuse me mr pankaj jain yeah yeah just you have now last 9 minutes for your presentation yeah okay. yeah so, sorry for interruptions you can no, continue no, yeah no, it's good that, uh, it's good that you pointed out 
Yeah. Uh, so what we have recognized that uh, the path of enabling teachers to acquire this knowledge is a difficult path, which is not uh, possible to be implemented at large scale. So what we do, we have set up a another team of let's say, teacher supporters. It consists of two categories of people. Number one, who actually have deeper understanding of how does human mind learns any other subject, whether it's language, mathematics, or science. And this group of people actually design the annual curriculum plan, monthly curriculum plan. Actually, they plan the daily lesson plan. They also find out how does human mind learns. And they have often found out that typically a child, particularly the younger age, not only learns from the teacher, she also has to have some activity by herself, whereby she would do the things and then somehow it will go in her mind. We also, all of us also know that the children also find it very easy to learn from their peer group, probably even more effectively than from the teachers. So not only that we have to, in, good, in an effective program, we have to have this 200 days of lesson plan. We also have to integrate every day, then let's say all these three features when the teacher will teach something and but child will also do something and child will learn something for the peer group to combine all these things. So if you find out that we, if suppose we have just three subjects, uh, first language, second language, mathematics, forget about the science at least in early grades. So we are going to talk about 200 days, which means 200 components, each day three components, listening to the teacher, self-work, let's say work group or maybe peer group, group activities. So we are dealing with the 600 pieces of uh, various things, learning experience which have to be put together. We find this very difficult for a teacher individually to do it uh, on an average and therefore we have a team which thinks about finding out the best 600 learning experiences which a child has to undergo in a year in grade, in any grade and then find out a way whereby these 600 pieces can be practiced in the class. So then we, what we do, there are two aspects are done. Number one, we develop the learning material which enables child to do what child needs to do by herself or with her peer group. We also develop a teacher guide whereby teacher actually is able to deal with and think about at least not 200 days thing, but at least for that particular day's work of let's say if there are nine components of the task which she has to do. So she has a teacher's guide with her in addition to that, we also have a, every month a teacher training uh, sort of input, which goes every month, which makes her go through the next month's lesson plan for all the three subjects, let us say, for all next 25 working days. So this is the mechanism we have found out and it seems to work fairly effectively as evident from the experience that I have shared with the fact that the children who come from very disadvantaged background, they are able to match the performance in excellent schools. So this broadly is the concept that we are using. Number one, make sure that we use the best knowledge of how a subject is understood and learned by the child in various steps, and let's say 180 steps in a year. Make sure that these steps are implemented in the class very effectively by a combination of teacher's explanation by child's own practice and by child's learning from the peer group. And if all this, this amounts to like 600 to almost it can be 800 different activities, learning experiences, and if you can put together this thing in an integrated form, the learn, effective learning takes place. I would just use another half a minute to mention that this, this task uh, is not easy to be done. And therefore you all do have to set up a management system which ensures that any mistakes which is made by any person in this chain of activity which has to be done are identified and corrected. So we also have an effective system whereby somebody visits each class every once every week and is able to help teacher reflect on our plan and our action and then improve in case there are certain gaps. So number one, having a detailed high quality plan, which is very difficult for an average teacher to de design and develop. So I have a separate team and have a management uh, system, which enables errors to be identified and corrected. 
Thanks. I think I'll stop at this point and leave it uh, for for the discussion. Yeah. Thank you so much, uh, Mr. Pankaj Jain. Uh, before uh, we start our uh, interaction, start our interactions with Mr. Pankaj Jain. Uh, before that, I would like to invite Dhanushri, an educator from Asia School, Bahrain, and she is going to share with us. Uh, something very very interesting. So first, let's listen to her. Yes, fine. Uh, thank you so much, uh, future school leaders and honourable speaker, Mr. Pankaj Jain sir, for choosing my answer on question raised by you. Uh, I am Dhanashri Dunake uh, from Bahrain. I did BCom, LLB, MPM, Master in Personal Management, and BEd, and various certificate courses in child development. Uh, in India, I was a practicing lawyer in Pune. And uh, when I shifted in Bahrain, I started my job as a teacher in uh, leading schools in Bahrain. So before justifying my answer, I would like to start uh, from this quote. A tomorrow belongs to the people who plan and prepares it today. The question asked by honorable speaker was, how much preparatory time can you allocate for one class session on an average? And I, uh, relate, I correlated this question with lesson planning. And my answer was, everyday preparation is needed for an effective lesson delivery as we cannot predict child's capacity to grasp any lesson before we start it. So when I entered in my school and I, uh, that was the very first day, my superior said me that you need to do your lesson planning. So all these questions came in my mind that what I'm teaching, whom I'm teaching, how will I teach them and whatever I'm going to teach them, will they understand? So when I started searching articles on internet, I understand that there are some factors which we need to consider before we plan our lesson. So I would say factors to consider pre-lesson planning. And I make it in a very short term uh, to know SCMR. So further to elaborate, what is SCMR? Uh, to know your student's ability level, to know their interest level, their attention span, uh, their prior knowledge level, uh, their background, special needs and learning preferences. So here I would like to give one example for uh, special needs and learning preferences. You can see this happy picture of my students. When I gave them a topic, uh, the topic is, which is who is your favorite sports person? And they all uh, give me answer, Ronaldo. So when we are discussing in our class, uh, they are so much happy to give me information about Ronaldo. And very next day, uh, I was teaching uh, uh, for social science, so social studies. What do you know about democracy? So this was the scenario in my class. So that's why I said the background of the students and their learning preferences are very important when we are planning our lesson. Uh, to move further, uh, the C stands for know your content thoroughly. As a language teacher, it is very important for me to know my content, what, my, what subject I'm teaching to them. Uh, I was teaching them Hindi also because they want to shift in India for their higher studies. So to translate Hindi uh, so sentences or lesson in English, it was a very difficult task and to uh, understand them. So uh, know your content thoroughly. It is utmost important for a teacher to re research and read. Because if some uh, if student asks us a question, we need to clarify them then and then. We can't say them that I will get back to you tomorrow. And it will make our class more interactive and effective also. Next, the M stands for uh, your material. I can correlate it with our teaching aids. So keep your data secure, utilizes online platforms, utilizes online libraries, software, audio files, videos files, and presentation which were made by our uh, superiors, our mentors. Uh, I experienced that we can learn so much from our mentors uh, when we are planning our lesson and how to deliver it. So I can say here, our data is our asset. Next. Uh, I can say rehearsals and feature reflection is very important. Rehearsals, as we know, in a drama, they do so many rehearsals before they enact live performance. 
so for teacher rehearsal is uh, to improve uh, delivery of lesson and uh, teacher can make additions of important facts ultimately our aim is to deliver our lesson and to reach our objectives of the lesson so uh, with rehearsals we can deliver our uh, lesson plan, plan very effectively the next thing i would like to say the teacher reflection you know we all assess our students regularly every day we assess students on various aspects so why should not we assess ourselves so self assessment uh, is very important after presenting our lesson teacher must evaluate her lesson and which will allow her to improve her effectiveness in future so when i come to know all these things i understand that uh, we should not plan our lesson uh, which is a teacher oriented we should plan our lesson which is a child oriented and then we and our children can enjoy that lesson plan very happily and that happiness uh, we can see from our children's faces so uh before i conclude uh, my presentation i would like i came to i come through one research uh, that was uh, at the age of 30 we have more information than imagination and uh, we have more imagination power than information when we are at age of 6 so the day we are willing to wear off the lesson plan follow kids lead learn with your students is the day you truly become a good teacher thank you very much so much danishri it was truly a lovely answer and the, you are the lucky one to uh, win this and got the opportunity to present yourself your lesson plan uh, i really like that uh, teacher reflection so very important yeah. and uh, child like who is who are our students and how to know that is is so very important right so i sell you yes, to yes. a fantastic teacher right thank, thank you. you so thank much you. namaste uh, yeah uh, audience uh, now i think uh, now is the time to interact with mr pankaj jain and uh, uh, if you have any questions if you want to ask why don't you write down in the chat box it was truly lovely to hear from mr pankaj jain that in rural area the kind of work he has done and uh, such simple things but i think we uh, need to uh, reflect and see that as a excellent educator what really we can practice in the classroom or with our students yeah questions are there uh, all together five questions are there and uh, mr pankaj you can uh, reply to those that uh so first question is it not true that highly impactful teachers are the ones who are perfect in their planning in fact don't they plan minute to minute answer is of course correct uh, but uh, to be able to do it day after day for every subject that you are supposed to teach i'm talking about lower classes when normally there is a class teacher who has to handle let's say three to four subjects all the subjects is it possible uh, is it really feasible for it or most people an average person to really know what is the best way for a child to learn let's say second language the first language mathematics and science is it actually practical to really do the first give a satisfactory answer to the first question uh, my answer would be that uh, it may be possible in some cases in most cases it will not happen so yes of course it is ideal is desirable so therefore what is important i would say is important that there is a perfect so called perfect this is nothing like perfect planning but let's say there is a very good elements of planning in every day session should it be done by the teacher or by the school system that really is the question do you find that it is difficult for every individual teacher to do this perfect planning but it is possible if you have a separate set of people whose business is only to do that kind of subject planning and then work with the teacher to make sure that that plan is implemented in the class second question uh, is that uh, answer adequately or uh, we can have, we can come back again if this is a rejoinder for this thing 
Second question, what are the six layer teachers should have to come under good best teacher category? Oh, I think uh, this probably has been answered by our second speaker. So I would just let it pass. And I think that, that we really know. Uh, to me, uh, that uh, I am not really expert in making judgment about the teacher. So I really have nothing to add to what you people already know. Uh, third question, how do we improve teacher quality? Uh, I would say that uh, the question that we address in our program, I mean, you may find it a bit strange, all of us being teachers, we focus not more, not on teacher quality, we focus on learning quality. In learning quality or learning effectiveness. In learning effectiveness, teaching quality is an important factor, but not the only factor. For example, the quality of the lesson learning plan, quality of the learning material, quality of the curriculum plan, all these things go into the effectiveness of learning. So we address often, uh, the question we address, how do we improve learning effectiveness, net, not on the teacher quality. Of course, we also address teacher quality, but that's not the primary focus. And that was not the issue I was addressing in my, uh, my, my separate talk. Uh, next question, without language skill, many teachers find difficult to prepare lesson plan one fast to weigh the end is absolutely true not only language skill various skills see prepare see most of us who have done let's say b.ed or whatever the course recognize that maybe we were spending one full week to prepare the lesson plan for one subject for one day to present to in our class and that was not really the best necessarily so preparing lesson plan every day uh, it's very, very difficult, and we believe it cannot be done by most teachers on an average for the number of subjects which they have to handle every day. And therefore, the system that we have evolved is probably the practical way to move forward. I have a separate set of planners who then work with the teacher to make sure the plan is implemented. Fifth question, how can compulsory and relevant teacher training modules be incorporated into academic goals? Uh, uh, I, I don't know. You see, teacher training really is not my area of expertise, so I would sort of let this question stand to be answered by somebody who is more capable to answer these questions. Uh, uh, fifth question, how can compulsory and relevant teacher training modules be incorporated into training? into the academic boards is a question. I would like to suggest those who ever have such a question in their mind, uh, they may check for uh, the uh, website, uh, UNESCO website, as well as um, our government websites where they can get training modules for their own class, uh, school teachers as a principal or as a school leader. And uh, I would like to suggest them to go through those two websites where they will get enough number of modules to train the teachers during the academic years. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Pankaj Jain. Uh, audience, still, if you have any uh, questions to ask, why don't you unmute your mic and you can ask? Uh, Ma'am, I would like to ask one question to sir. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, yes, when I was uh, going through the videos of Pankaj Jain, sir, and I was reading about him, I come to know that uh, the Ganshala is uh, based on the native language. The Hindi yeah. and Gujarati language is uh, there. And uh, so is, is there any particular reason that uh, they have the native language only? Like Hindi and Gujarati only the teaching method is there. Uh, well, we believe that uh, everybody, every human being learns best in his or in the language that he or she understands. And obviously, a child understands their native languages. Second language uh, can be learned, but that requires exposure to the that language in the sense of use of that language in their life. That the type of children that we are dealing with have absolutely no exposure to, let's say, if second language is the English you are referring to, they have no exposure to English, either in spoken form or the written form in their life. So we believe that trying to teach them through English would actually would be wasting their time. They won't learn as effectively in English, even if we are able to teach them so-called effectively. 
as they would learn in their native language so there's a reason we always teach in the language of the child okay sir thank you yeah uh, there is one question from lakshmi prakash uh, to mr pankaj jain that do school encourage to change the set lesson plan and utilize teachers creativity in teaching uh see let's understand one thing uh, all of us know that uh, we have prepared like i had prepared to some extent uh, for the session that i handled with you and uh, frankly i was talking something which probably i must have spoken in different form maybe n number of times but the fact is that every time i speak it is a bit different than what i have spoken the other earlier day on the same topic so nobody actually repeats the so called prepared plan ultimately you deliver on the ground what you can have really understood same is true about for by our teachers eventually what they deliver in the classroom is the prepared plan but interpretation of that plan by that particular teacher and it varies from teacher to teacher so there's a reality of life and then of course different teachers would interpret the same plan and implement to different degrees some more creatively some more effectively and some less effectively so that is just fact of life every time human action is by definition rarely a delivery of creative it's not like mechanical thing every two thing will be identical every let's say two words or the two sentences will be identical every time there is a creativity and responsiveness to the situation yeah thank you thank you mr pankaj uh, even from the chat box i would like to read out purnima menon uh, only an interested in initiative driven teacher will bother to know about sia mr but yes truly needed yeah i think this is for dhanashree right yeah yes it is tough to practice i mean it is of course desirable but it's tough to practice uh i would just like to add here mr pankaj that uh, yeah there are teacher by choice and there are teacher by compulsion fine so if you are a teacher by choice uh, you do find out certain things even if you don't know how you explore and uh, i really like that yes know your child and even like you we need to reflect uh still in today's time if you are using the very old pattern or old way of teaching learning and whether that is working in our classroom i'll just say the learning is happening uh, what we want our children to learn we want them to memorize we are training them for exam or we really want them to learn and explore and think better and go ahead i think many 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 questions are there right yeah uh uh from purnima menon that accountability is the key to success uh, whatever we are discussing that whether ch teachers and how they are going to do and your wonderful work at the urban area i'll say that uh, the question is that can you explain that how you achieved it you know at uh, our rural area uh, how you achieved this and that i was just reading out the number of schools and the number of uh, students you have uh, you know work with well how you work with the teachers yeah our most of the work was in has been in urban areas we have very limited uh, work in the rural areas frankly okay so okay. so that's one just uh, factual information but when mm -hmm. we did work in the, there was a phase when we had a large rural component also as large as a urban component in the early mm -hmm. parts of uh, experience and felt there was no difference you see less understand children are identical whether they are in rural areas or urban areas learning take place in the mind of the child it doesn't change so we did not yeah. find or then there has some task has to be done we have to facilitate child's learning and we found that the instrument that we have evolved to help child learn they were no different we used the same instrument to help child learn whether the child was in urban setting or in the rural setting now that is the management that you make sure that same instrument of learning whether the mm. what teacher speaks what example what worksheet you give to the child what group activities you give to the child what is the kind of management system put in place all these things were almost identical i mean they are kept identical in our system because we have like 
2,000 teachers and we make sure that in all these 2,000 classes, they have similar kind of experience child gets. So that's a part of design of the management system. And then it doesn't matter whether the child or the class is in urban areas or in rural areas. The class is in Ahmedabad or Surat or in Patna or in Muzaffarpur or wherever. So this has been our experience. It doesn't matter. Child's God has given almost similar capacity to every child to learn. And as long as we can, our support system for the child is broadly similar, child will learn. True, true. Completely agree. Completely agree. I'd like to sort of, uh, in the end, like to conclude by saying that yeah. I think we should be somewhat sympathetic to the teachers in the sense recognize that high complex is their task. See, all of us, most of us have had maybe family of our own children or certainly family, I mean, a small baby in our own family. And we know that by the end of the day, if there are four adults in the family, they are tired dealing with a one-year-old child. Now a teacher has to deal with, let's say, 20 young children. How difficult it is, how tiring it is, and how much energy a teacher will have to devote to just deal actively in somewhat, let's say, even mechanistic manner with, let's say, 20 young children. And that's what teacher has to do. Given that demand on her energy, attention, time, is it really fair for us to expect that the teacher would be able to make a perfect plan every day for four subjects which she has to handle in a typically class teacher situation? My answer would be that, I mean, it can happen, it should happen in some sense, ideal world, but that world is not what we live in. We live in a world when we get tired, even when dealing with our own child with whom we love by the end of the day. We want that child to be taken off by somebody else. Because you, I mean, you have retired. We have been mother or father. There's a reality. So to expect that the teacher should be able to do every day the detailed plan, to have a reflection, think, do the research, find out what is the best answer, is frankly expecting unrealistic thing. And we should be realistic in our expectation from the teacher. So I would just leave this thought with you. And... Uh, Good luck to all of us in uh, doing better and better in whatever we have chosen. Thank you so much. Time and attention and uh, wish you good luck in whatever task you have chosen to do. Yeah, yeah. our heartfelt thanks to uh, Mr. Pankaj Jai and uh, thank you Dhanashri. Uh, really we learned a lot many number of good things in today's sessions and audience thank you for your active participations. So thank you very much and have a nice day.